It's my pleasure to welcome to this week's show, Patricia Bunin. Hi, Patricia. Hi. I read your article as I emailed you and told you, and I loved it. Let's see, it ran uh, end of April in the OC Register. That's where I saw it. How long have you been a writer? Oh, gosh. I feel like I've been a writer most of my life. (laughs) um, uh, Professionally, I've written the column for uh, the paper for the last 11 years, and prior to that, I did lots of other writing and uh, so it, it's hard for me to pin down a number, but mm-hmm. <laughs> most of my adult life, certainly. That's wonderful. Do you feel like writing has helped you through challenging times? Oh, definitely. Yeah, I, I always, I write about what I know, and that has been helpful to me and seemingly helpful to my readers. It sure is. Um, your column, well, the, the article I read, Why Laugh Because We Can and We Must, really hit home for me. Could you talk about that a little bit? Um, yes, that was the, the poem that I had written maybe 50 years ago when I was living in Greenwich Village um, actually happened after uh, a historic event in New York. <laughs> the townhouse um, that was a block away from me blew up because a group, militant group called the Weathermen were making bombs there and accidentally it, it blew up. And I didn't know about it because I was on my way home from work, but when I got home and realized how close it was to me, it was uh, it was very frightening. Oh, sure. Yeah. And um, my, my mother, as I walked into my apartment, my mother had been trying to reach me by phone. She lived in Virginia, and they were showing all kinds of horrific scenes, and she knew how close it was. So I... Uh, I comforted her and told her I was fine, but but I actually kind of sat down and I thought, wow, you know, life can change, bingo, just like that. And somebody in the street was yelling, oh, the house next door is going to go up next, and people were getting terrible. And so I thought, well, you know, here I am, and it it could happen next, and it just sort of hit me uh, how fragile life was, and, and I was... You know, young enough then to it was it was kind of a new concept. Um, scary. I'm sorry. It, that was a scary moment in New York. Yes, it was. It was a scary moment, but it, you know, it was also a defining moment because I thought, okay, you know, what am I going to do about this? And what the only thing to do was to learn to live with that because I couldn't take away the danger of uh, the dangers of life. And that so then I sat down and I wrote that poem. Um, laugh often over little things very soon everything dies mm-hmm. and you know that occurred to me not not just the death of people or animals but the death of uh, ideas and hope and uh, many things that you hold dear so the only way to combat that was to really grab onto the moment and that has served me well for the rest of my life during during illnesses and during uh, more recent loss of my husband. Um, I'm sorry. To understand this is by grabbing onto the moment. Mm-hmm. You know, when I read that, that you lost your husband, I thought, gosh, sometimes words, can they just help give you some strength? They do. And I, I've been very fortunate that I get to write about it every week because I write about what's going on in my life. Um, what My readers have responded so beautifully to me. And, of course, I didn't realize I was going to be going through a pandemic, and I would really not be able to leave my house 
thought of, I had suddenly just thousands and thousands of readers who were coming in and grieving with me. And, um, and it was very moving and also therapeutic for me because I, I had to, I would see something, something small and write about it. And then I would, I would get the feedback from other people and particularly widows and widowers who were going through the same thing. Yes. It, you know, it, you, you probably did it for yourself in some way and, and to help some people, but you probably never imagined what, how people would react to it. I was very surprised. You're right. I, you know, I started doing it because I, I was. I wrote my last column right the night before my husband died. I was sitting at my computer with him. He was there in the house with me. And I wrote it, and I didn't know how how even my editor was going to respond to it. But the, the response was very positive that I was able to write about my feelings, which were feelings that other people had had to. Um, And then as time went on, I just kept writing about it, not necessarily just about the subject, but how it hits you in your everyday life. You know, I I would go to the cupboard and take down uh, a spice or something, and I would remember, oh, gosh, she always used to make this, or Mm. she always used to make that. Um, And I would get comfort from little things, like, I'm going to have my morning tea out of the cup that he always did. That's Um, wonderful. You know, silly seemingly silly little things but in the end those are the moments we have you know it's not silly and there are people that are going to hear our conversation and they're alone you know I, I actually had spoken to some people um, you know people that are in their 70s and 80s and they're feeling very alone especially right now with the quarantine Do you, would you share any advice for those people I think that it depends if, if you're lucky enough to be tech savvy at that age mm-hmm. then you have a lot more options to reach out to people. Um, but but even that, sometimes it helps. And I do Zoom groups with, uh, my grief group is online, and I do several other things like that. But I, I think the basic sense that uh, of finding somebody you can talk to every day, yes. whether it's on the telephone, whether, you know, I, I live in a neighborhood where I've lived for a long time, so I know my neighbors. And I can go outside and say hi, and we can say a safe distance from each other, or Good. you know, we can talk across the fence. And uh, I've set a goal for myself to make sure that I have um, at least <laughs> human contact once a day. I kind of I have a neighbor that who I walk with, and we walk six feet away from each other and kind of shout to each other. Good, but it's helpful. You know, it, it is. It's very helpful. Um, but most of all, it has to be that feeling of it's going to be. Okay. Yeah. And I think having to, in my case, been through some life changing events, my husband, lost of my husband, and I many years ago um, had cancer myself, and and that was quite a <laughs> quite a battle. But it's twenty one years later, and I'm fine. Amazing. So I keep going back in my life and saying, you know, what did I get through, and when was it, and, and how did it turn out? Mm-hmm. And if, so, compared to some of the other things, I'm thinking, okay, this is this is just another. This is just another thing. I, I don't think it's going to end the world. It's certainly uncomfortable. Um, but, it, you know, it's also curious because we're living through this historic time yes. when uh, we're, we're watching the world change so much. You know, we're watching how and we're watching how people adapt. And I'm, I have to say, I'm really fascinated. I mean, I have a little granddaughter who in New York who does her uh, schoolwork online. Mm -hmm. Boy, she's more savvy than I am. (laughs) Get in touch with anybody at any time. (laughs) And and of course, the first responders, I just uh, 
I don't, I've seen them out here in the terrible California fires and the earthquakes, but, yes. um, and even, of course, after, after 9-11. But there's something about this that this seems very personal to them. I, I, sure I think does. going in, you know, and knowing you, this could be your own family member, and in some cases, it has been their own family member. And so it, it reinforces to me the good in the world, you know, that there are people always willing to go out there uh, and fight and kind of rise themselves to the next level. Yeah, it's so true. I mean, and people kind of have overlooked the importance and the value, I think, of teachers all these first responders and the doctors and the nurses, and their lives have been so strained. That's right. And I feel like we uh, we have to keep... I, I find myself constantly uh, talking to my friends who are teachers or who, who are nurses and telling them how much I admire them uh, because I, I think it, that being done on a personal level is, is so meaningful. And, and, of course, it makes me think, okay, what can I do? I'm not, I'm not a nurse. <laughs> um, but... So I uh, I call I, I'm on a group that calls seniors who are homebound. Oh, I love yeah. that. Yeah, it's really nice. Really, I mean, it's nice for me too. But the aside from the fact of the human contact, it has given me a sense of control. You know, because I'm calling to help them. I may be in the same situation. I may even be the same age. But I kind of go into that caretaker's mode, almost like a parental role, and. That helps me to comfort them, and in turn, it comforts me. You know, I always tell people an act of kindness can get you out of your own mindset, and you're you're giving tremendous compassion and empathy to somebody else, which is so needed right now. Uh, That's very true, you know, that's well said. Um, And, you know, for people in, in my grief group, there have been a couple of women who recently lost their husband, during this terrible time when, you know, you can't even really have a, a proper funeral or, or a send-off. So they're kind of hit with this double grief. Um, and and in that case, it has really helped them, I think, to be with, with people in a like situation. What is the name of your grief group if people want to find out more about it? Do you know, everything in the group is very... Um, <laughs> Private? <laughs> Yeah. Okay, yeah, that's I, fine. I didn't know if you were taking on new members. Okay, I didn't know. I thought I saw a website that you had sent me. No, the website that I had sent you was my is my website for um, after I had or during the time I had cancer. I started a website for a free support website for women with cancer, and so they would write to me, uh, e- email me, or text me, and we had conversations back and forth that way. That's great. That's wonderful. But, however, there are many grief groups out there, um, and and you can get them online. And although it's not the same, our group used to meet every week, and now we, we do it online. Um, it, there's still, there's that sense of control about turning on the computer or your iPhone, and you're going to all of a sudden be in touch with people who are feeling fairly similar to the way you're feeling. And sure. although you can't touch them or give them a hug, you can kind of, you reach out to each other. And so I guess in the terms of advice, I would say, hopefully, there are not that many people who are grieving, but but there's a common interest, you know, uh, reach out to writers, reach out to whatever else is important to you in your life. Yes. Even book clubs, you know, just because that sense of being part of a group um, really begins to help. As a writer, I've always been felt very solitary, but being part of 
now I count the groups I'm a part of. You know, I'm a part of the neighborhood. I'm a part of uh, of my religious institution mm-hmm. and writers groups, and that makes me feel very connected to the world, which is doubly important why we're all kind of quarantined now. You bet. Well, I want to thank you so much for calling in. I really enjoyed chatting with you. Any last bit of advice for people feel that feel down right now at any age? Um, yes, to just <laughs> it may sound very trite, but to just be kind to yourself. You know, it's so we all all so judgmental of ourselves so often. And you know, if there's a day that you just can't get out of bed, then just go with it. You know, <laughs> pull off the covers and make a cup of tea. That's so true. And don't I I like the idea of having thoughtfulness for yourself first before you can be thoughtful to others. You got to take really good care of yourself right now. It's very true. And and it is true that if you're not being good to yourself, you really can't be good to others because you you're just not in the mindset that you you have anything to give. And and if you're going through a, a time where that's true, you, you can just kind of live with it for a while and until you're able to to be of more use to to other people, but it'll also help you to just do that. To just not so much energy is spent on criticizing ourselves. And sure is. So, you know, take that away and, and uh, use the energy for something more productive or, or just something that will make you happy for a few minutes. I want to speak to the idea of gratitude and how how much it can help all of us during the months that my husband was dying we, we found out he had cancer and he only really it was only maybe five months later that uh, that he passed away but on the very day that he got the diagnosis we started doing something every night that was so helpful I, I said to him this is such a tough time let's find at least one thing that we're grateful for mm-hmm. every day and so we, we began doing that and it was a very comforting way to go to sleep. You know, sometimes yes. it was a small thing. I'm glad we live in a nice neighborhood, or I'm glad, you know, I saw a nice flower today. And sometimes it was it was much more, it was a deeper thing. And ending the day that way was a lovely way to go, because I knew that we were not just ending that day, but we were ending, you know, our lives together. And so that took us through the tough times. And so, so after he died, I thought, I need to be able to continue this myself. Oh. So I'm still, I'm still doing that. And, and it's a great way to go to sleep. I forgot to add that in your article, you mentioned that you painted that poem above your bed. Yeah, well, actually, I didn't. My husband painted it for me um, as an anniversary gift. But to give you such strength when you think about it. Yes. Yeah, it's true. And I said I was reading those words, and, and interestingly enough, the rabbi who we were very good friends with was coming over to the house every day, and so he was with George when he passed away, and he was facing the poem. He didn't even know that I, it was written by me, and he used it. He quoted it when he did his sermon at the funeral, oh. um, and when I told him I had written it, he was really surprised. So it just seemed, and I, I also like going to sleep beneath that every night, you know, That's which makes me feel close to him and good. That's beautiful. Well, Patricia, you now have a new fan of your column. I want to thank you so much. (laughs) I'm so glad you got back to me, and I'm thrilled you called in. Thank you. It was my pleasure. 
All right, that's a wrap for this week's show. If you want to follow me on Twitter, just visit moms, M-O-M-Z underscore rock. I'm also on Facebook at Janine, J-A-N-E-A-N-E, Bernstein, B-E-R-N-S-T-E-I-N. The show blog is getthefunkoutshow.kci.org. And if you'd like to find out about being a guest, just send me an email to Janine, J-A-N-E-A-N-E, at KUCI.org. You've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine.